I've never had a guest on Whiskey Business that made a bid to try to win and be governor of the state of Ohio and within the same year or so put out a movie called Killer Raccoons 2. (laughs) Yeah, Travis Irvine joins us on Whiskey Business tonight. Who doesn't love a road trip? Going on a road trip sounds exciting, right? And it is exciting because a road trip usually means you're going on some place or some destination that you're actually looking forward to going to. So you get excited about the road trip, the anticipation of getting there. And when you get on that road trip, you're excited the whole way down. And when you get to your destination, man, you have landed. You are there. It's awesome, and you do all these great things while you're on your road trip. But then, then there's the return from the road trip. And that always, let's be honest, just sucks because you're leaving the place that you had so much fun in to come home. And you have to come home from a road trip. Otherwise, it's not a road trip, it's called a move. Welcome to Whiskey Business, I'm Dino Tripodis, and uh, yes, I just came off a road trip literally hours ago before recording this podcast. I had the pleasure of going down with uh, the great state of Ohio's Ohio Liquor Control down to Lynchburg, Tennessee. Actually, we went to Nashville. We stayed in Nashville, and then we motored on over to Lynchburg, Tennessee to uh, one of my favorite places in the world, Jack Daniels Distillery. And I had the pleasure of once again... uh, Accompanying the Ohio Liquor Control people, Jennifer, Lorraine, and uh, her husband, Adrian, as well, to... uh, Hell of a driver, I hear. He is awesome. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm giving shout-outs to everybody, but I was going to give a shout-out to Adrian, but you brought it up sooner than later. This guy, (laughs) this guy, if, if I were ever to decide late in life to pursue a professional criminal career and were like planned like an elaborate heist he would be my wheel man your baby driver he would be my baby driver man yeah he would be my baby driver he would be my wheel man cool he drove fast safe and aggressive we got back from nashville in five and a half hours wow that's that's counting a stop at chick-fil-a where we went inside and ate <laughs> yeah and a stop for gas and you know and to to do whatever you got to do on the way back and still Got back in like five and a half hours. Amazing. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to, to Adrian for, for driving. And shout outs to uh, Lorraine and Jennifer from Ohio Liquor Control. And a big shout out to uh, the good folks at, at, at Brown Foreman. And I actually uh, have their names because I know all their first names, but I want to get their, their last names out as well because uh, they were just so, so cool to us. Uh, everybody down there. Uh, Mark Noblet or Noblet, I can't remember which one it is, but he's a broker for RNDC. Uh, he was there. Ryan Grimshaw, he's a supplier with Brown Foreman. He was there. Heather Howe is also with Brown Foreman. She's uh, uh, very important. She is uh, instrumental in in bringing Cooper's Craft. Remember Cooper's Craft? We had that on the show not oh, too yeah. long ago. Oh yeah, that's tasty. Uh, bringing that into uh, into the world. And Mark Grinstaff, who I want to be him. 
he uh, he's been with with Brown Foreman for a while, and he's back with the, the Jack Daniels side of things, working uh, specifically with Gentleman Jack. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I want to be Mark. Okay. Um, but Brown Foreman were the most excellent hosts. Uh, great dinners. Uh, they rolled out the black carpet, they call it, at Jack nice. Daniels yeah. for us. Cool. And we selected, uh, we did some barrel selections of uh, Jack Daniels single barrel select and Jack Daniels uh, single barrel rye select. And then we also, mm. in the afternoon, did uh, some selections for some barrel proof Jack Daniels single bar- barrel proof. So those are going to be awesome. I mean, yeah, we've gotten Jack Daniels single barrel in here on a regular basis, but these have been specially selected barrels. The for rye, the state of Ohio. Ooh, that sounds tasty. The rye was excellent. The rye was amazing. So I also thought it'd be fitting, after concluding that trip, to, duh, we've never had the Jack Daniels Sinatra Select on the program. I've always been saving it for special occasions, and I think as a... As a as a salute and thank you to everybody down there that we'd go with the Sinatra Select. So our guest Travis Irvine tonight is like lucking out big time. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting the big boy bottle of Jack Daniels. It's, it is big. It's humongous. It, it's huge. It's very heavy. It's a very heavy bottle. It's a beautiful bottle. It's beautiful packaging. Uh, obviously, Sinatra was a huge Jack Daniels enthusiast, if you will. So they decided to come up with this special blend of Jack uh, in honor of Frank Sinatra. So uh, we will drink it in... It's like in, 20 pounds. I know, man. You can work out <laughs> with yeah. some reps. You can wear that. Oh, I'm careful, out of breath already. Careful, watch the rotator cuff. Uh, we'll, we'll drink it in honor of Frank, and, and it's a big thank you to uh, Jack Daniels and uh, the good folks at Brown Foreman who, who made the last couple days very, very special. So thank you so, so, so much for that. Really appreciate it. And um, before we start talking to Travis, you want to do that now? Well, yeah. It, well, it's a perfect segue because while you were down there, you took uh, a bunch of Instagram videos of your road trip. I did. Uh, whiskey I, Business oh, is on Instagram. I was very proud of you. Proud of me? Dino's I'm coming out of the uh, dark I'm, ages I'm with the social the media. Dark, I'm right. trying to I'm, actually I was proud get of involved you, man. in social media. It's very exciting, Travis. <laughs> yeah. It's very exciting. We're working on it. He's almost there. Oh, sure. I mean, welcome to hell. It's yeah. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Now you got everyone can make fun of you on social media, yeah, too. So I, that, I do. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I don't, the bad yeah. comes with the good. But yeah, yes, yeah. Whiskey Business is on Instagram. You can see all the videos from your road trip. Um, of course, YouTube, uh, Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. We videotape all of these podcasts. Yes, we do. Uh, and some of the behind the bottles things. Uh, Facebook, Twitter. And uh, we always ask that you rate and review Whiskey Business on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts, because that helps other people find us. Uh, propagate, as we like to say. Propagate, yeah, propagate. propagate. And also want to thank everybody who came out to the premise. Uh, we had a great time at the premise. We have another one coming up on October the 22nd, I believe. Yeah, October 22nd. We are back at Shadowbox and currently uh, looking to book a November date as well. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, a lot of fun once again. Uh, so if you've not been to the premise yet at Shadowbox Live on the upfront stage, we strongly suggest you get some tickets and join us there. But thank you for everybody who came out again this time. We had a blast. As always, it's a good it's a good fun time. It really is. And this it feels like forever since we've been back home here. We yeah, we've done we did uh, the Middle West uh, spirits before that right. and uh, the premise and then we were at the uh, craft cocktail the, the classic. Uh, classic. Yeah, so, yeah that's, that's, the, a, that's the podcast. Been like that, is that the podcast? No, the premise is on now. Yeah, it's been like a, uh, a good month since we've been back in our 
So Travis, you brought us home, buddy. Hey, you brought us home, and you're kind of like on a road trip as well because you're currently living out in Los Angeles, but Columbus is your home. Well, Bexley specifically is your home, yes? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, welcome, man. Thrilled to have you. Travis did the very first premise. Mm -hmm. Had a great time. With us. I loved it. You were there. You, You debuted it. Yeah. As far as one of the competitors. And we had a great time, so, so thank you for that. And 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 you're gonna come back and do it again. Oh man, I hope so. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to be one of the people that just sits on the stage next time, because it is it is an interesting process yeah. to write a whole new five minutes and twenty minutes. So you'll get to do that. You'll I would. Get, you'll yeah, get I would to love do that to. And just do ten minutes that you actually know and love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then sit down and talk with me for ten, yeah. ten or fifteen. Minutes. I did have fun though because I got to tell that story about getting stopped at TSA while right. super high on a Gary Johnson weed cookie. Uh, <laughs> so that that was a lot of fun. A Gary Johnson weed cookie. That's the one that makes you forget what Aleppo is, and then also that you're running for president. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. That's the that's okay. That's how good it is. That's the Gary Johnson <laughs> so weed good cookie. Don't okay. take it before you go on MSNBC at seven thirty in the morning, though. <laughs> Why are you home? Uh, I'm home. Uh, it was my mom's birthday, oh. and uh, I won't say how old uh, she turned, but it was a, a milestone birthday. Well, that's a- she's a little shy. She's a little shy about it. She we doesn't- should celebrate it. I did. We did. We had a great time. No, we should celebrate it right now. All right, let's hey, do it. How old was she? Um, oh, man. Uh, Don't worry about it. All right. We'll say nice things. Here, we'll bleep it out. My she- mother's 82. My mother just turned 83, actually. So, oh, really? So, so, go, so oh, come okay. on. Uh, my mom just turned 70. That's nothing. Oh, that's that's oh, nothing. Come on. And, and I guess she doesn't look it. Everyone who sees that's her nothing. thinks she's like 55. So, so the new 55. Name? Sandy Mundy. Hey, S- uh, Sandy. Famous uh, Columbus local calligrapher. Uh, had really? Her, yeah, she's had her art uh, up in Wexner, up uh, plenty of places. Damn. So she's very shy and like humble, and you know my mom. Um, but uh, yeah, she's made it this far, and I had to come home for that. And then and I is got, she still doing the calligraphy? She still does. She teaches a lot more now. She teaches seniors. She teaches kids. Um, so you know, calligraphy is like almost a lost art. Yeah, it's one of those. My mom knows how to do calligraphy. Now okay. that you say that, did she learn from my mom? No, she's not from around here. All right, but, but she would have yeah. if she if if she lives from from Bexley. Yeah, no. Can you yeah. do? Can you do calligraphy? No, I remember she did like a class, uh, like in fourth grade, like art, like yeah. she taught us. But I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. Do you remember the? You remember what was it? Spirograph. There was. I don't remember. What's that to do with calligraphy? Because that's about as close as I could get to calligraphy <laughs> as far as as far as making any type of of, of you know seemingly uh, artistic type of design. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm gonna ask my mom about it. It inspired me to ask her about it. Etch a sketch was very close too. But calligraphy, yeah, man, that's that's awesome. Well, happy birthday to Sandy. Thank you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Seventy years old. What are you ashamed of? I'm sorry. Seventy. She's actually. Only 10 years older than I am. Wow. Okay. Okay. Does that put it in perspective? That puts it all in perspective okay. for me. Yeah, all right. of course. So, yeah. yeah. And, of course, she was the one who, who you know, had us listen to uh, you in the morning uh, when we were going to school all the time. I appreciate so, that. I remember. I, that. I think we called in for a couple of contests and then never won anything. But That's all right. Yeah. I got nothing to do with that part. <laughs> I forgot how freaking smooth it is. the Sinatra Select is. It makes you, yeah, it yeah. makes me want to sing like Sinatra. Can you? Uh, no. Do you sing? I do sing. Karaoke. Yeah. I well, knocked it out of the park. What's your what's your go-to karaoke song? I, I do uh, Ray Charles' version of America the Beautiful. Oh. And I usually, I wear my uh, American flag sunglasses. 
and uh, and go on and and do it that way, and that that's usually a pretty big hit. And then you know, and then I slowly stumble my way off of the stage to commit fully to the band. right. Yeah, sure. yeah. See, when I, when you were those glasses, you I, I, put them back on for a second. Okay. Put them back on for a second. Mm-hmm. What do you think the first thing that comes in my mind when I see you in those glasses, as far as somebody that's politically motivated uh, in throughout history? Um, that guy's pretty cool. I want to vote for him. Uh, Abby Hoffman. Oh, Abby Hoffman. Thank <laughs> I you. think you know, Abby I've, Hoffman, I've, right? I've yeah, gotten right? that before. I've, I get Abby Hoffman. It's with the glasses on especially, yeah. man. Yeah. You right there, you know, in Washington, man. Yeah, right? Telling the people oh. what's going down and what's wrong with this country, man. <laughs> yeah, that guy... He's a big idol of mine. That bit that he did where he went to... He what, broke into the Wall Street uh, mm-hmm. exchange and just threw money off of uh, the balcony i mean yeah i've seen the the vincent d'onofrio uh movie with him and janine gruffle it's about abby hoffman but i think the documentaries are a little more interesting because the fact that that guy was real and uh, um what do they call it the yippies is that what they were the yippie the yipsters the yips uh, i'll have to double check that one sounds familiar yeah yeah just i mean they're all so funny i do love their motif uh-huh. Where it is just like you're politically involved, you're counterculture, but you're also hilarious. So I I will take that as a compliment. It is a compliment. Thank it you so much. Yeah. All right. So let's since we're on that on that ride, so to speak, politics. Uh, why and when did you get these political ambitions? Let's start with you wanting to become mayor of Bexley, your the city that you grew up in. I mean, where did the political ambition come from to begin with? I think it started first as uh, just an interest. I mean, as a kid, uh, I used to love watching the debates. Uh, like 1988, I think I was five years old, and I wanted to watch all the debates, and I wanted to watch all the conventions. At five. At five. And I didn't really fully understand what was going on, but my dad, you know, he's like, well, my five-year-old wants to watch politics on TV. We'll let him stay up. And uh, I think that's what planted the the, the seed. Were and, your parents politically motivated were not, they, or politically involved? Not really. They're involved with the community. You know, Bexley's a nice small community, so they're involved with things like the co-op and recycling and, you know, um, just kind of making the community a better place. But in terms of, like, city council or anything like that, never Nothing. really. Uh, my mom is on a commission in Bexley, the one of the building commissions. But um, that was that came after <laughs> the mayor run. Um, because essentially the mayor run came about in 2007. I had graduated from Ohio University. Um, in and, what? In a uh, degree in communications. Okay. And then. What, what year? Sorry. It was 2006. 2006. Okay. Yeah. And then. Um, and of I course. I probably partied. Uh, I probably killed some brain cells with you down there. Oh, great. Yeah. 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 We'll never get those back. No. But we don't need them. Um, <laughs> That's debatable. Even that is debatable. <laughs> Um, but, uh, and you know, down at OU, it's a very liberal town. Sure. So I was in college in the Bush Cheney years, you know, nine 11 happened my senior year of high school. So it was one of those things wow. where it's like, you grew up in the nineties, you know, I remember Ross Perone, the debates and thinking that there's a third guy in the debate. That was really cool. So I think that's what kind of opened my, uh, my eyes to third parties. Um, yeah, <laughs> Ross Perot was might be the first time we talked about Ross Perot. Can, can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? Rest in peace, by the way, he just yeah. passed away yeah. this year. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, I think that uh, kind of opened up. And then, yeah, 96, 2000, every time a presidential election came around, I was just glued to the TV. So when you were in college, uh, did you lean one way or the other, politically yeah. speaking? I was were more you... left, but that's because I was anti-war. It was, okay. it was one of those things that was like, kind of like, I mean, I turned 18 in August 2001, and then the whole world changed a month sure. later. So, um, you know, I think like a lot of people... I mean, I was a senior in high school. I had friends, we graduated, and they joined the military to go to Afghanistan, things like that. 
And I think a lot of my anti-war leanings came from Athens, from being a liberal town, but also those guys who came back from Iraq, Afghanistan, and be like, I don't know why we're there. You know, uh, we're right. garden sand out there, things like that. So I think that motivated a lot of political, um, you know, leanings in terms of, I don't even think I knew what left and right was. I just knew that I didn't want. You just knew what you believed in and what you thought and yeah. really, didn't, really didn't put it in a category. Exactly. And to me, Bush and Cheney were evil. And then, you know, by 2006, 2007, 2008, Democrats started to take over. Um, and then you saw that they didn't really pull out of the wars either. Um, you know, they were voting for the Patriot Act. They were continuing everything Bush Cheney put down. So then there's this congressman from Texas named Ron Paul who ran for president in 2008, and there's this big moment. In fact, political historians um, call it the Ron Paul moment because it was a moment when a lot of millennials realized uh, that a Republican could be anti-war because he stood up there on this stage with like right. 10 guys and everyone's, you know, Giuliani's there talking about why we got to stay in the Middle East and, and here's small Ron Paul being like, I think we should bring the troops home. And, uh, and, and What? And, yeah, exactly. My mind exploded and I was like, who is this guy? Is, is he a Democrat? Am I, am I still a Democrat? And then my friends were like, oh, Ron Paul's a libertarian. You should check it out. And from there, that's kind of what pulled me over to the libertarian side so all of that led up to 2007 after i graduated from ou lived in the bahamas for a year grew white guy dreadlocks tried to make a movie in the bahamas <laughs> failed moved back home with my parents saw that the mayor was retiring and so i threw my hat in the ring um, and that was motivated by a local issue called the southwest master plan where um, bexley city hall had colluded with capital university to buy up homes rezone and knock down the homes in the neighborhood i grew up in and build up dorms. And uh, as exciting as it might sound to be living, you know, as a post-college grad on a college campus, uh, I was more worried about my neighbors because, you know, everybody's property values were kind of going down and, and the neighborhood was getting just completely remastered. So I, I ran for mayor on that issue to basically speak up for Southwest Bexley. And by doing so, I don't want to ruin uh, the moral of the story. Um, there is a documentary that we made about it called American Mayor. It's right. on Amazon Prime. Right. Um, but uh, we we showed that just by running, even as a, a dumb white kid with dreadlocks at 24 years old, just by running and, and talking about an issue, you can change uh, the local discourse in your hometown. And, and you did. And, I, and we did. Yeah. The homes are still there. And uh, yeah. And then my mom, sweet mom, got put on a commission. And then the guy <laughs> down the street got elected to city council. And from there, everything's been fine. And the college students, I don't mind them. Was it close? Did you have a shot? Oh, I had no shot. Yeah, no, no shot at all. But it is wild. I got 201 votes, so 200 people besides myself voted for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you voted with, for yourself. But it was 5% of the vote, and we had seven other people running that year. Um, okay, so, I mean, that's... So every so the guy you, who... You stole some votes from somebody. The guy who won won by 60 votes. So that's, every ah, single that's person... Huge. Yeah. You... Yeah. you, you, you <laughs> You made a difference. Absolutely. And it was one of those elections where it's like, especially as a third-party guy, I mean, we had debates with eight people. One of the uh, the candidates was an 18-year-old uh, senior in high school. Um, and then, you know, then there was me with my dumb dreadlocks. I eventually did get them cut, which I think actually lost you me think votes. Do you, do you, do you think you lost you votes, votes or, yeah. or did the dreadlocks cost you votes? I don't know anymore because it was like it was hard to go door-to-door <laughs> door and talk to people. 
Well, then I remember a cop uh, later on. He was like, "I was going to vote for you till you cut those dreadlocks." <laughs> a cop. So you cut them. Yeah, it was uh, a Bexley cop. What so. was that movie with James Franco who had dreadlocks? I, I could see oh, that. Spring Breakers. Yeah, he had cornrows. Oh, uh, that. okay. That's no, different. different. That's a okay. different kind of okay. Okay. cultural okay. appropriation. Okay, okay. Sorry. Different. Sorry. Yeah. Both on the both on the cultural appropriation spectrum, but completely different ends. Yeah. Okay. So you run for mayor of Bexley. Does that light a fire in you? Politically speaking, because laid down the line, Big obviously time. you 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 ran for governor. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, in the interim, between you know the run for mayor of Bexley and then your your bid to to run for the, the go for broke and just be governor of the state of Ohio, what did you do in between? Politically speaking, um, that did light a fire because I moved to Washington D.C. after that, um, which was a good move because in 2007 I also decided to start doing stand-up comedy every week. You know. Not as a profession, but as a full-time hobby. You know, when you start out, you're just trying to make sure, sure. you can be funny. So I had started in college at OU, but I didn't really take it seriously till I was running for mayor. And then when I moved to D.C. after not being mayor, I got an internship with uh, Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York. Okay. Um, that was through a Bexley connection there. And then... Um, and then I essentially, you know, I was still kind of a Democrat at that time. And then I think moving to D.C. kind of solidified my um, just uh, complete disrespect for the two-party system. You know, it was 2008, so it was like Obama was coming up. But the way the senators, even a, an, a, an adult like Chuck Schumer in the Senate can be such a monster <laughs> and so right. hypocritical. So seeing behind the scenes, I think, actually kind of pulled me more to third-party um, the third party route, but don't you find even um, no matter what party it is, be it the Democrats, the Republicans, or even mm-hmm. yours, the Libertarian Party, don't you find hypocrisy no matter what it is, no, and, no, and no matter what what realm it's in. And most of the time, except with these Libertarians, because there's so few of them, they're actually elected. That when they do get elected, it's like a local office. We got a guy um, in uh, California. He's a Riverside Board of Supervisors, okay. Riverside County. And, um, you know, actually with Libertarians, I think they do a pretty good job. They're not perfect. You know, there's Ron Paul, no, no, Rand Paul. There's still no, things to no, not no, like about There's nothing them. perfect in politics, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, well, and, that, and that's why Libertarians are also just like government is an imperfect entity. But, you um, know, as long as I can remember yeah. growing up, you know, and, and everybody keeps – everybody since I was of voting age has hawked and said we, we need a – we need a solid third party. A third party needs to, to yeah. come up and develop. Yeah. Do you ever really think it's going to substantially happen where it's actually going to matter and it's actually going to to affect change in some way, shape, or form? An actual third party that would be, you know, in the running, yeah. in the mix. Yeah. I, when? Before I die? Oh man, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, how long you got? I mean, I'm, I don't know. We're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I, I think the, the you know the tipping point at least in my lifetime was Ross Perot because he got nineteen percent of the popular vote, mm-hmm. um, and he was actually at one point. But he the, wasn't a, he lead, wasn't a libertarian. He wasn't libertarian. He was an independent. He was an independent, right. and then eventually the Reform Party. The Reform Party. So there are lots of different third. Which I tend to think of myself more as an independent right now. Sure. I, I don't go left or right. I'm somewhere in the middle, and I I listen to both sides. to whatever to yeah. what both sides are saying. And then make my decisions based on that. I have voted Democratic. I have voted. I have voted Republican. Yeah. I, I did not vote for Ross Perot at, right. at that particular time. Um, but yeah, just but to, to have a substantial, living, breathing third party, 
I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Well, you're in the majority of Americans by being an independent. That's and that might be my cynicism coming through. Sure. Well, then that's okay. I've give me ten more years, I'll probably get there. You know, um, for the time being, you know, I was the last. You know, I just turned thirty six, so I've been in the eighteen to thirty five demographic. That's always so important every election season. So I was really trying to do something with that demographic, and that's why I wanted to do more than just mm-hmm. donate volunteer. I wanted to run and be a candidate. And um, for me. You know, at least locally here in Ohio, I mean, the Libertarians, I mean, you, you, you basically called it. I mean, Ross Perot, why do you get 19% of the popular vote? Because he was in those debates. And, you know, I don't want to jump ahead too forward, but when I ran for Congress in 2010 as a Libertarian. I'm oh, a, I did not know that you yeah, ran for Congress. That was tucked in there, yeah. That, was, that, was that in between the, the, the mayor and, and the, the bid for governor? governor? Yeah. Congress. Yeah. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, I ran in the 12th district against Pat You get a good shot of the shirt there, Johnny, on that one? There, the, the, the Irvine, Irvine for, for U.S. Congress. Congress. And this was, you know, 2010, nobody knew what Libertarians uh, were, so our uh, campaign slogan was socially, <coughs> socially liberal, fiscally conservative, all-American. That's, 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 I'd vote for that. That works. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people are like, what's a libertarian? I'm like, well. Really? At, at, at what year? This is 2010. So 2010, people were asking, what's a libertarian? Yeah, they still didn't know. Because I, I went, when I was in college in 1977, mm-hmm. uh, one of my dorm people, roommates, whatever, next door, was a libertarian. I oh. learned about that. I learned about libertarians back then. Right, right. So See, you said it in 2010? A lot of people, I mean, 2007 was when I <coughs> found out about him, you know? So, um, so yeah, it was, 2010 was kind of, but that was a Tea Party year, you may remember. So that's when everyone uh, was kind of, yeah, they were yeah. going conservative against the Obama uh, <coughs> uh, agenda. And, uh, and essentially, the libertarians kind of fell short because the Tea Party kind of stole our thunder. Stole but thunder. here's the thing, in 2010, the Libertarian Party in Ohio had ballot access. We had a full slate-wide um, uh, a slate of candidates. We had congressional candidates like myself. And then what happened after that, 2014, um, the Republican Party, who's you know in power pretty solidly in uh, the state house and in the, with the governorship, uh, they kicked the libertarians off the ballot in 2014. So you're you're right when you say third party, like will it ever happen? But I would argue that the reasons it doesn't happen is because. Um, there's so much institutional bias. There's so many hurdles to get on the ballot. There's so many hurdles to get in the debates. The The criteria for me to get in the debate in 2010 at WOSU was 5%. I need to be pulling at 5% of the vote. Um, but there were no polls that had me in them. And then the ones that did were all Democrat and Republican, so they weren't independent. So the bid for Congress did not go well. It did not go well. I got 4% of the vote in that one, 9,000 votes. What do you think you need to do different if you're going to continue? Are you going to continue to pursue some sort of office? I'm all done. <laughs> you're done. You're done. Yeah, the governor one was very hard, very difficult. And and we can talk about that one. Well, yeah, you um, went, you tried to run for governor. Yeah, of course yeah. you want to talk about it. Well, but it's that's something that every, that's, that's something but like, might be a first for whiskey yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. trying to run for governor. You told me Rich Cordray hasn't come in here yet. <laughs> no, well, yeah. he'd love to, love to get you uh, on, Rich. But, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. No, I, uh, he won't return my phone calls. Right, right. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that happened in between those, from 2010 to, to 2018, uh, especially you were saying like politically, sure. what, what kept me involved. So I, I went to Columbia Journalism School, got a master's there, graduated in 2012, 
jumped on the Gary Johnson campaign, but I was working for a guy named Rod. And his cookies. And his cookies. (laughs) I didn't discover those till 2016. Um, But I was actually working with a guy named Roger Stone, who uh, you may recognize as a Trump guy later on. But he's a Gary Johnson guy in 2012. So I worked very closely with Stone and Gary's campaign in 2012. Roger Stone. The the Roger Stone. Stone. Not a different Roger Stone. That Stone. And when I met Roger Stone, he came to one of my comedy shows. And I met him at an after party on his roof. I didn't know who the hell he was. And I was just like, who's this old guy? Why is he trying to crack all these jokes? This guy sucks. And then like the next day I found out who Roger Stone is. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. so you're my boss, huh? Yeah. So um, so that started a whole new realm. And, and you know, I, I got a degree in journalism. So I started working in journalism, HuffPost, uh, The Guardian, Viceland. And From Columbus, or where are you at now? I was DC? in New York City. Oh, New, New York, York City. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because Columbia uh, is in New York, so that took me over there. Okay. And then um, in 2014, I actually ran a, a PAC here in Ohio. Because the Republicans had kicked the Libertarians off of the ballot, I started a super PAC here called Central Ohioans Countering Kasich, C-O-C-K. And uh, we worked long and hard to give Kasich the shaft. This is, almost, this is like a letter away from cock. The, yeah. <laughs> it really is. No, it is cock. It it's is just cock. cock. Oh, wait, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's literally C-O-C-K. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. That's why you don't do calligraphy, because you can't spell. I can't spell. <laughs> I get halfway done the beautiful, God damn it, I just spelled <laughs> it. Yeah, shit, I forgot C's. my O. It's two C's. What, what letter was missing out of that I just, for you? I missed the O. I missed the O. <laughs> I had an extra C in there. <laughs> it's four letters. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a long day. Okay, it's all good. I stop at three-letter words generally, so... Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, we can call it... Uh, thank you. That's probably the hardest I've laughed today. <laughs> Over the back, You're welcome. You don't know how to spell cock. cock. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't he, keeps his, he keeps his cock short. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but we digress. Okay. <laughs> Actually, we're, we're right on target. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, because that was a hit with the libertarians, yeah, with the I Democrats. Bet rock, yeah. I bet it was. But after they spell it right. <laughs> but but then again, it, it's it, it's it's probably you know to everybody else offensive and 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 controversial. And, yes. And, and, I, and 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 causes brings attention, but not the attention you want. Depending on who you talk to. Right. I mean, the Democrats loved it because 2014 was a year that this guy, Ed Fitzgerald, out of Cleveland was a Democrat candidate, and he was a disaster. I mean, his campaign was over by August that year. So I remember, you know, <laughs> Cleveland.com, the dispatch covering cock um, because we were the only <laughs> anti... They loved cock. I'm just saying. They, we Cleveland were the, loves cock. We were the only uh, anti-Kasich voice out there. So we were just... Every time Kasich released a campaign video, we'd release one with me as John K. Sucks. Um, and you just kind of... You just kind of... Fla- yeah, K. Sucks cock. Okay, and okay. he just... You flap your arms a lot and you just squinch your face and... Uh, okay, so but, but doing that point, at that point, you have to realize that what you're doing now, you have yeah. no chance of... of, of, of all you're trying to do is disrupt at this point. Yeah, but that's great. That's Abby Hoffman. Yeah, this is, right? I mean... John Weaver, uh, uh, who's Kasich's longtime campaign manager, has me blocked on Twitter from both <laughs> my personal account and the cock account. When I saw he had blocked me on my personal, I immediately went to the cock account and followed him. Within five minutes, yeah, <laughs> he yeah, goes blocked there. He blocked cock. He's a cock blocker, let's face it. <laughs> um, so I have on good authority. The are great. Yeah, thank you. That's part of why I did it. So oh I have a, a good God. good authority that the K six uh. people hated cock, but I you know I think they also loved it. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, I'm gonna 
to say what I normally say at the end of the podcast, <laughs> that the opinions that are expressed on Whiskey Business are not necessarily those of Whiskey Business, yeah. but sometimes our guests, and they have an open forum, so uh, whatever the case might be, because uh, this is probably, we don't, we don't really get into politics too much on, on Whiskey Business, and, that's- and this isn't really about politics, but this is about more the the, the the process that you as an individual went through and that's what we're focusing on tonight yeah. so I just want to say that that we have no, no we're not expressing any leanings one way or the other I just want an entertaining podcast and God bless you so far uh, it's, it's it's been a, a podcast full of cock that's great right? there you go chock full of cock yeah well, it is just, you know, this is part of my, my uh, you know, my approach so to funny. politics, honestly, is that it should be fun. It should be more engaging. You know, it should be. That's how you get the young people. You know, when, if you you got a funny commercial, every candidate I've ever liked, you know, like uh, there's a guy, Paul Wellstone, Democrat out of Minnesota. He used to make these funny campaign commercials. He was a senator out of nowhere. Um, and I, I, you know, I like that. Did he, did he win? He went. Yeah, he won. He was eventually killed in a plane crash after he voted against the Iraq war. Um I mean, he was a very, it was kind of a tragic progressive figure, but, um, you know, I just like guys who, you so know. So humor has its place in politics. Oh, I, 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 I tend to agree with that. Well, not, that's what I say, not just the young. I think yeah. uh, across the board. Yeah. Even the think about what a funny seasoned vets. Uh, candidate Ronald Reagan was. He knew how to deliver a joke. Even Obama had very good. Yeah. Um, Obama uh, had great comic comedic timing. timing. Yeah. yeah so, he had great comedic timing. And the yeah. comedians who, or not the comedians, the politicians who fail <laughs> are the ones who can't take a joke or can't, you know. Um, right. Uh, I find anybody that that's in the political arena who is just even a little bit self-deprecating at times mm-hmm. appeals to me. Absolutely, you know that they, they can make fun of themselves and they can they can they have a sense of humor. Um, yeah, I I, I was uh, so upset when um, oh god, how can I forget his name? The SNL guy. Um, oh, Phil, Phil Hartman? Hartman? No, 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 no. The SNL uh, politician. Yeah, Oh, Al Franken. Yeah, Al Franken. Thank you. Al Franken oh. would have demolished Trump in 2020 if, did, if it came it, down to it, it, and, debates. Yeah, and with, with everything that came out with, with that part, I think he gave up too quickly. I think he bought out too fast. But that was at the at the the height of of, of that particular movement. So I get it. But what a shame, right? You know, right. because I think he was actually. Doing some good. Yeah, and I remember as a kid seeing Al Franken's books, like uh, Rush Limbaugh is a big fat idiot. Right, yeah. And just yeah. things like that. And and guys like Bill Maher, um, you know, there are these comedians who are political. Dennis Miller, I remember really yeah. liking when I was a kid. I don't think I got all the jokes, but it was just like, I well, thought it was so cool that there were comedians who could just be political. Um, even on PBS, there was a guy named Mark Russell who used to play the piano and sing like political songs. I remember Mark Russell. Yeah, on PBS. all of these yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. you know, they planted the seeds in my brain. And it was like I can like those politics, but I can make it fun and it, funny it, too. It's real quick, because we're close to the age. You're a little bit older than me, but like all of my impressions of Ross Perot are from SNL. All right. my impressions of yeah. uh, you know, like I learned sure. all of my politics through SNL, and that's probably you, that's you, not that's not your a your good politics thing to, have been your. My pop what culture you know has been skewed by parody. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and um, and I think that will still be the case. Obviously, with Baldwin doing the Trump and everything, but yeah. Uh, Did you remember uh, Norm Macdonald's Bob Dole? Oh yeah, I mean, the, Bob if, Dole. Bob Dole doesn't like this. Norm Macdonald is great. That's Bob Dole's peanut butter. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who let you in here? And I mean, Dana Carvey doing anything? Uh, anything? Yeah, and but and you're, then, you're still relative. Not relatively. You are young, so uh, so I'm kind of curious as to. 
what has extinguished the flame to continue to pursue uh, politics on any level? Well, that would be the last two years. It would be. Was it the run for governor that did it? Yeah. That did well, you? And 2016 was honestly very uh, difficult. I was with the Gary Johnson campaign again in 2016. Um, and, and I was a journalist, too. I was a journalist at Vice, Viceland, which was a new TV channel, and I was making videos, making fun of Kasich, which I was actually really proud of. <laughs> he was campaigning in New York. I went in there, and uh, we ruined his campaign rally. There's a video of that. I'll send it to you guys to put in the liner <laughs> yeah. notes. Um, we'll put a link on it somewhere. Yeah, but, you we know. We have a lot of links with this. With uh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, right, yeah too. I'll send That's them a, your way. So. But 2016 was just so bizarre on so many levels. You know, as a journalist, it, it blew your mind. As a, a political activist, it blew your mind. Um, the, the fact that uh, Trump was able to swing through the way he did through the Republican primaries. Every step of the way, everyone's like, well, this won't last. I actually bought a Make America Great Again hat. At the beginning of it, because I As was satire, like, satire, yes. Yeah, I was like, I got to get this thing before this fizzles out. I got a bumper sticker and the now, same way. Yeah, now I look like an asshole, you know, for uh -huh. having this hat. And it was like, it was just a bit at the time. And now, you know, now, of course, he's president. So 2017, I ran a campaign in Brooklyn, a uh, reform party. We ran my roommate for a, a Brooklyn Borough president. We made a documentary about that. That will be coming out soon. It's called Hail Yourself America. Um, eventually when that's out I can send stuff your guys' way and then in 2018 it was pretty obvious that the libertarians uh, had, were gunning to uh, they needed a gubernatorial candidate because the only way the libertarian party could get back their ballot access in the state of Ohio was to have a governor candidate who could get 3% of the popular vote they approached me probably in 2016 I had molded over and um, as soon as I realized I could make it work logistically to move back to Ohio I was like, all right, let's do it. I will be the governor candidate for the Libertarian Party. It was a very important race to, to get this 3%. My track record had showed that I could do it. Um, and, you know, I could do campaign commercials that, that get across, right, get across the divide. We always use humor in our campaign commercials in 2007 for mayor and 2010 for Congress. And so 2018, you know, that's, that's when I came back here. And, um, I mean, we can get into it because it, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work, but did you have – did you – at any point when you're running for governor, did you think you had a shot, or, I want, were, or what were you trying? What were you trying to accomplish? I wanted to get the three percent, and I wanted to steal votes from Mike DeWine, so the Republicans didn't win to send them a message for kicking off the Libertarian Party uh, off the ballot because okay. it, it was it was a crooked move. If you look into it, um, the way they kicked us off in 2014 and then rewrote the rules. So we couldn't even have bell access for the next four years. I mean, it's criminal. Uh, for me, it, it, it borders fascism when you just don't allow people to vote for who so they want. So is that part of the reason you're done? Because is, is, is this, a, is this, well, is this I, you thinking this is a system that I can't beat? Right, and that's where I, I'm slowly turning into Dino. Right, The cynicism is growing because it's um, as much as I still love the libertarians, um, we didn't get the 3%. Spoiler alert, I did get 80,000 votes. Um, but I only got 2% of the vote. And, of course, Mike DeWine won by, I think, 200,000 votes. So mm -hmm. I remember the day before the election, 2018, there was a poll that had Rich Cordray at 48%, Mike DeWine at 43%, right. Irvine at 5 And I was like, holy shit. I'm about to pull this off. I'm about to um, what the, what Roger Stone would call rat fuck the election. <laughs> and I was and by the way, Roger Stone endorsed me for governor of Ohio. Um, I'll send you that video too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have a lot that. of videos to send you, but all of this stuff's link. real. Yeah. Send them all. It's all send real. Them all. It's a great video. It's just Roger Stone 
grizzled as ever and just like vote freedom vote Travis Herbank. He, he's been hanging out with Alex Jones too long is really what it is so he's trying to talk like him um, but you know the, the fact that we didn't succeed and it was so much work to go three hours up to Ashtabula one day two hours down to Portsmouth the next day talk to 10 tea party people who you know as much as I, I could give them the spiel about why the Ohio Republican Party doesn't stand for actual conservative values the first question I would always get after I'm done talking is, what do you think about the caravan of immigrants? And that just was such a, a disappointment to me as a, as a 35-year-old to... The, the, that was the first question yeah, that comes across? Yeah, I'm talking to a conservative group. Did you have an answer? I, I would usually say we're thousands of miles away. And also, it's a federal government issue. That's not a thing a governor of Ohio deals with. You know, unless we've got Canadians pouring over Lake Erie, which mm -hmm. my promise at one meeting, I just said, you know what? If you want me to build uh, a, a wall along Lake okay, Erie, it's got to be a fun like bouncy a, wall. But, okay. You, uh, well, you'll do it. I'll do it. I'll make the pay for it. As far as being, you know, as far as being an off-the-cuff type of guy, mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind as we speak here tonight. And and from what it, you're, you're an intelligent man. Mm -hmm. you're, you, 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 you're smart. So you have to know, going in, that you're going to get these questions. You're going to get these questions, and even though they have nothing to do with the job you're going for, you're going to get the questions. So why don't you prepare and and have and have a solid answer, mm -hmm. or do you, or do you feel that it's more a case of there's no good answer, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you a, a, a phony one. Uh, I would give the the good answer. I usually would do that that Canada Wall line about the bouncy wall. Right, right, right. Um, I because honestly, I did that at a Tea Party meeting in Butler County, and it went over so well. Uh, and actually, Butler County they were very receptive to us. Um, but then there's issues like abortion, the pro life folks in, within the conservative. That was right. always we had to have an answer ready for that one. But uh, you know, again, it's a federal government issue. It's not something that state governments deal with. You know, if the if the question is just, hey, Travis, are you pro life or pro-choice it's like well you know uh, there's a lot of debate within the libertarian party me personally i know women who've gotten abortions i don't want to tell them what to do with their bodies but if i was ever in a situation yeah i'd love to have a kid you know it's just there's so many nuanced answers uh that you you can't please everybody you know oh, no uh, but at the yeah, end of the day it's like what were the big issues the actual issues in 2018 in ohio we had an opioid crisis 4,000 people still, have one. Still, still have one. And it got worse under DeWine, and it started under Cordray. And so I would go in and be like, I'm the only candidate. I want to legalize weed, uh, which, you know, marijuana in, in the states that have legal marijuana or even medical marijuana, the, the opioid crisis is 25% less deadly. So, you know, you can make you can make money, invest in criminal justice reform and in addiction services, and then also knock down this opioid crisis. I mean, right away, I mean, I'm setting myself apart from DeWine and Cordray and, and presenting an answer that I thought was very logical. I was just, my mind was blown. Well, that's your first mistake. Sure. Logical. logical. I, <laughs> you're being logical. Oh, man. I you're was trying. You're being logical. Yeah. I, I had glasses. I, I was brushing my hair. I mean, I was doing everything <laughs> that I thought some of these folks wanted me to do. But it's just people have their issues. I will say on the gun issue, uh, you know, libertarians are, are a little more uh, pro-Second Amendment than Republicans. Okay. And that was one where we actually did um, kind of kick DeWine's ass around a little bit because he's got a real <laughs> anti-gun record. And uh, in libertarians, you know, we, we were just trying to really court the, the pro-gun groups in Ohio. Um, and so that was one area that I think kind of paid off in terms of stealing that DeWine support. But, um, you know, 
At the end of the day, the 2018 political map in Ohio was right. identical to 2016. And it's just the, the Democrats have lost the Mahoning Valley. They've lost those blue-collar uh, independent voters, and they're all voting Trump now. I don't know how much longer that lasts. I don't know either. But um, Because you were you, were you uh, being based in the political beliefs and, that you have and, 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 and where you stand, when you saw the, the, the Trump parade start to roll and march and eventually win, were you shocked? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as a journalist, as a political activist, as a, a former candidate. Um, and, you know, I remember in 2018, people told me I had to trump it up. And then half of the little. What does that mean? You it have to trump it up. Be more rude. Be more um, incendiary. Be more. Vicious. Vicious, you know. I mean, I have jokes about Mike DeWine. You know, he looks like a garden gnome and you should <laughs> okay. get back in the tree and start making more cookies. Okay, you but, know, things but if like you don't. That, but, but once again, if that. If, it doesn't do anything for if, me. If, it doesn't, yeah. if, it, if, if, if it's not coming out of you sincerely, exactly. which you believe you're doing it just to do it, exactly. then you're not being true to yourself again. And that was the, that was the big problem that's with that. That's a tough thing to do. Yeah. I, you know. <laughs> It's it's funny over the course of the years, especially when I was in radio, I I'd, I'd been approached and like, did you ever think of running for some sort of office? Right, radio guys are very good, right? At right, and, yeah. and uh, I I immediately put the kibosh on it. Not that I don't, well, not that I don't think I could sincerely do it. I think I could. But man, I, I gotta I gotta admit that I I become jaded over the years of just watching every little thing, every little piece of minutia that really has nothing to do with the job at hand being scrutinized and analyzed and exploited. And in Trump's case, you know, it 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 worked the opposite way. It's like right. I don't. What? Yeah. You know, I don't understand. These are bad things. Right. But they're helping him. Right. As opposed to bad things in the past that have hurt people. Right. But you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, it's the whole map has changed. And, and I think the big difference. So maybe now's my time to get in. That's what I'm saying. Dino for, for anything. What? For what? <laughs> for uh, city council. Um, go local first. That's my only advice. Um, unless you think you can. Don't go big. Don't go big. Don't I wouldn't go big. Go right big. out of the gate. Yeah, governor. It's Ohio took a, him three years. <laughs> yeah, Ohio's a big state. It's uh, it, it's a big state. It's a swing state. It's a it's an important state. You and, can't win the presidency unless you win Ohio right. state. Yes, you know absolutely. It's, and, it's, and it's becoming less purple every year. Uh, you know, it's it's weird. It's like all all my young people friends. You know, Columbus is obviously an exception. Cleveland, if ever, Cincinnati. If I ever ran for office, would you run my campaign? I would absolutely would run, run my campaign. campaign. There's a guy in Cleveland named Mike Polk Jr. Um, who uh, I want to run for uh, mayor of Cleveland. Um, I actually, uh, this might be a good segue into giving you your present, and then we can kind of talk about L.A. and things like that. But I have a present? There's a guy named Robert Schmeigel. Uh, he does. I know, right? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. He's Triumph. interested in running for office, I've been told, um, by good sources. And I am very interested in running that campaign. The campaign where, I, for where at? Uh, he's in California, L.A., California, yeah. yeah. But the camp... Schmeigel, yeah. Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Adam Sandler fame, everything. Yeah, yeah and man. the campaign I ran in in Brooklyn was my roommate Ben Kissel. He's a podcaster. Last podcast on the left has got two point five million listeners. Oh, yeah, He's a comedian. That That's one. how we know each other. Right. And it's more fun for me to kind of be behind the scenes and let you guys do the the talking. So yes, if if Dino, I will say it here on the record, <laughs> and I will swear on this personal Roastmaster General lighter from Jeff Ross's house 
that I stole. That you stole. Um, he wasn't given to you. He's got a ton. Don't worry. It. He'll be fine. Um, I will swear on this lighter that if you run for office, Dino, I will run your uh, campaign. Wow. This is my gift. That's your this gift. is my gift. From Los, Los Angeles, California. From Los Angeles. I had to hide it in my sock I from Jeff Ross's house. I'll put this, I will put this right now on the, on the he's, shelf of... He's putting it on the shelf I'll of... Putting it on the shelf of novelties. Right in front of our uh, podcast uh, of the year award. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh-huh, perfect. Yeah. Right yeah. there. That's great. That's a great gift. That's yeah. a great gift. Thank I, you. When he listens to this episode, I hope he, that you know he doesn't take it out on I, you. Yeah, I hope he doesn't. No, I think <laughs> that's where that lighter went. Yeah, yeah, I had, yeah, I yeah. had seven of them. I had ninety-seven. Yeah. yeah. No, but he's. Uh, I got a bunch of friends working on the roast right now in, in L.A. And um, I gotta say, L.A. is a lot of fun. It's a fun little switch from you know. I was in New York for about nine years, D.C. for a year, and of course Columbus is always home. Yeah. Um, but and this New is York my, and D.C. seem more. In, in your, your house f- yeah. than LA would, and that's why I think I like it. It's so, it's such a departure. I almost feel like after the governor race, I'm entering a a different uh, era here, where I do want to just kind of focus on comedies and, and movies. And and you know that I mean, th- you're the host, but that might be a good segue to <laughs> comedies and movies because right, I, mean, I know I, we we have right, a lot in common. For those there. of you who who think I I should run for office, I let me. We Go should ahead. do a poll. Can yeah. you guys do polls on your... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we, we could do, do one polls. on Facebook. Yeah. We'll do a Facebook poll. Okay, I, I'll I put s- it up. I smoke and I drink. There you go. Not but compulsively, consistently. That's There's what we difference. want. <laughs> Keep in mind, the guy the guy who ran uh, one of them, uh, one of like the bunny ranches or, or something, he, he ran for state senate in Nevada, died in the saddle... Meaning having sex. I with know what the set. Yes. What the, yeah, okay. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Ron Jeremy, who makes an appearance in Killer Raccoons too, uh, told, really told us this story. Second. Yeah. Um, that uh, his friend died in the saddle, and this guy was running for state senate, and even after he died, he won. So I, yeah, the the skeletons in the closet are just cool things to have now. Yeah. I, I don't. There's not that. <clears throat> I have been so. What you see is what you get. Even even. Even, even on, on radio, even on radio yeah. on Sunday ninety five. I mean, to a degree. Yeah. I mean, but everybody knew that I, that I, I like to gamble, I like to smoke, I like to drink. But but that I was, but I was, the things I was sincere and passionate about. I was sincere and passionate about. So. And that's the thing. If you're a good person, I, I don't. I, yeah, I think I'm a good shine. person. Yeah. I think I'm. I don't think I'm a great person. But right. I think I'm a good person. Right. I, I have dark moments. I have. I have moments of indecision. I have moments where I've made wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have uh, I've made bad choices in in life. From, but but who hasn't? Right. Who hasn't? And that's the thing. When I ran my, my podcaster roommate in Brooklyn, you know, who were the people who showed up? Originally, we were terrified because there's years and years of him saying horrific stuff on all these podcasts. And then who are the people who voted for him? His fans. Those are the, the you know the two percent of Brooklyn that showed up and voted for well, him. It's interesting you speak about podcasts because you know we're in a point in society uh, and culturally speaking in respects to podcasts where. Where whether it's a podcast or 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 something that could be on social media that could be drug up Shane Gillis who just got knocked off of SNL yeah. because of things he said on a podcast uh, last year uh, uh, just last year was it yeah, last it was last recent year? which I think got him in more trouble if, if it's like eight years ago six years ago you can say ah, I was young and dumb but, okay but yeah. no no can you can, and get away with it no young and dumb doesn't the young and know. dumb doesn't doesn't fly anymore. Right. I think about James Gunn, who you know is a young and dumb. Director. Look at the 
Prime Minister Canada. Oh, you know? yeah. With how many years yeah. ago was that? Which, by the way, how how are so many politicians going to blackface parties? I've never <laughs> been. <laughs> Never to been, a blackface party in my entire life is so weird. Can, that that's just a normal thing. Throw one for you if you and want. You can no. search. You can search right. social media to the ends of the earth. Yeah. I've never gone blackface or gone to a blackface it's so party. It's so bizarre. It seems greenface like, is one uh, thing. Uh, uh, but, uh, no, I have gone greenface. I played the Grinch at Shadowbox yeah, Live for yeah. the Christmas roast. So maybe that would be oh, my controversy. Man. Let me ask you this question right out of the gate here. We're gonna shift gears a little bit. Do I have to see Killer Raccoons? In order to follow Killer Raccoons 2? Uh, no. <laughs> you don't. Um, but it does exist. Uh, in and what's the full title of Killer Raccoons? I laughed my ass off when I saw the trailer. The full title for Killer Raccoons 2 is... Dark Christmas in the Dark. <laughs> it is a direct parody of Under Siege 2 Dark Territory. Uh, you could almost say scene for scene. Um, wow. You could even almost say that I wrote the script by watching Under Siege 2, oh pausing it, rewriting the scene with raccoons, and then hitting play was, was again. Was 2 the submarine or the train? The train. Oh, the, train. the train. 1 was the submarine. Under Siege yeah. was the submarine, yeah, 2 okay. was the train, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, 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 and Killer Raccoons 2 is on a train. It's on a train. It's we, on got, a train. we got this train <laughs> in Nelsonville, Ohio. First of all, <laughs> let, me, let me go back to Killer Raccoons. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> Would you like to hear the story? Yeah. Okay. I want to hear the story. So, what uh, gives you the idea to do killer raccoons well, to begin with? And then decide, you know what? It needs a follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. We're not done with this story 15 yet. 15 years later. Let's get back to this. Yeah. So um, so at Ohio University, uh, you may know I'm a, I'm a whiskey enthusiast. Um, but uh, but down in Athens, uh, there's a lot of people who are weed enthusiasts, and uh, I do blame weed for starting the whole killer raccoons thing because I was in a I was in a comedy troupe. We were uh, down in Florida on a camping trip with the OU Surf Club, and uh, I had never <laughs> seen yeah right the two go oh, yeah, together yeah, very already, well. Already, already. We have right, many sorry. mutual interests, and it doesn't include the water. I can tell you that much, except if so. the water's in a bong. All right, um, and then. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I'm down there. I've never seen a zombie movie before. And so my comedy buddy's like, oh, we got to go. You got to see the zombie movie. It's Dawn of the Dead, the new one that came out in 2004. And uh, we went to go <laughs> see it. And my mind was blown. I was like, these zombie movies are great. I had no idea. So we're hanging out at the campground that night, you know, token up a little bit. And uh, I start to hear these raccoon noises. And there's like one over here and one over there. They're like talking to each other around our campground. And I look at my buddy and I just say very simply, March 2004. I'm like, has anyone ever made like a killer raccoon movie? And he's like, I don't know. And, uh, you know, we didn't have <laughs> smartphones. You know, we, we just had a little. It was flip. only 2004, yeah. It was 2004. And so, uh, you know, we didn't have smartphones. So I had to wait till I got back to OU, jump on the uh, the desktop, and Googled sure. it. Or I think I binged it. <laughs> Internet whatever. explored it. Yeah. Whatever it was. Did you ask Jeeves? I think I did ask Jeeves. Yeah. And Jeeves was like, well, hello, Jeeves. Travis. I forgot about asking Jeeves. Yeah. Uh, he's doing pretty good, I heard. Um, but he's uh, doing okay. Okay, I looked it up, and there's never a killer raccoon no, movie. And I was no, like, no. I gotta get on this. So I started writing the script in 2004. <laughs> we started shooting it by summer 2005. Yeah, um, shot it all for five thousand dollars. The biggest money saver was how did you get? How do you get the raccoon? <laughs> and as I was researching it, I was interviewing a biology professor, and he was like. Um, you know, telling me about raccoons, how neat they are with the, you know, they got thumbs. They're oh, the only, yeah. One of the only animals, mammals, to have thumbs. Oh. 
And I'll, I'll come back to this. Yeah, because everyone's got a good raccoon yeah. story. That's what's also fun about this. I have, whole a, good, I have a good raccoon story. It's very relatable. Yeah. 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 So, um, so you know, we're basically thinking like, well, I, I guess I could get like stuffed raccoons or puppets. Uh, maybe I can get dead. I was literally thinking, should I collect <laughs> dead good, raccoons get, off the road? Get, get them taxidermy. Yeah, I was literally like, like every time I remember driving back from. From oh OU back to Columbus, I'd see a, de- uh, a dead raccoon on the side of the road, and I'm like, "Yeah, hey, yeah, he would look pretty good," you yeah. know. And um, but I'm talking You're this bi- hired. Yeah, <laughs> I'm talking this biology professor, and he's basically like, um, "Oh, taxidermy raccoons, that'll cost you 600 bucks a pop." And he was like, "You know what you should do <laughs> is there's a, a, a raccoons are famous in the biology community for um, you know their pests. So when they're caught, they need to be gassed, frozen." And then thrown away. They're trash. In Ohio, raccoons, after they're caught, are trash. Um, and he said that raccoons are notorious in the biology community, that you can get a dead, frozen raccoon, let it thaw out, put it in like a fun position, refreeze it, and it stays like that for 12, 24 hours. And biology people play pranks on each other all the time with dead, frozen raccoons. And I'm I always like, knew biology people yeah. were pranksters. Yeah. I always knew it. Right? Yeah. There's something, yeah, they there's know, something I know. about them. <laughs> and I go home. Uh, Smarter than us all. Yeah. I'm staying, staying at home here in, in, in Bexley. And my dad's oh my buddy is a biology professor at Kappa University, and they're, they're at home drinking Bloody Marys. And I remember I show up, and I'm like, yeah, I'd love to have one. And they're like, how's your day? And I was like, well, I got to get a bunch of dead, frozen raccoons if I want to make this movie. <laughs> the biology professor, I remember he puts down his Bloody Mary, and big mustache, licks the tomato juice out of his mustache. He's like, you need dead, frozen raccoons? How many do you need? I can get you as many as you want. Indeed. And that was it. That's what started it all. I called this fellow in Delaware, Ohio. He gave us seven raccoons for the first movie in the uh, August heat of 2005. So, so you had to work quick. We had to work real quick. They got pretty droopy and even juicy at some times. But I compare it's basically like a messed up Muppet show. Um, if you look at <laughs> the first movie, we just literally had all of our production assistants dangling a raccoon, and that's how they all operate. Oh and we made the whole thing for five grand. <laughs> Senior year at Ohio University, and lo and behold, after we get it done, we yeah. debut it at the Gateway, and then uh, they run it for like four weeks, which was awesome. And then this company, Troma Entertainment, or which, Troma, yeah, yeah Troma does the horror yeah. films. Sure, they we sent it to them within two weeks. We heard back; they're like, "We want to distribute this," and so we became the the first undergrad students to have a full length feature film uh, distributed by Troma. Yeah, well, just dis- distributed, just distributed just any distribution general. deal yeah, as undergraduates. And that's what started. That was 2005, 2006, and uh, that's what started it all. Here did we it, are. Yeah. Did it start it or or were I mean <laughs> based on that accomplishment? Right, right. <laughs> accomplishment. Yeah. Based on that accomplishment. Yeah. Why didn't your film career take off after that because it's so hard it's almost like the governor run i remember it was just so hard and yeah. even the sequel i mean you know the indie film world. yeah well we we you know we just recently got our our film out on amazon there you uh, go uh, on prime right. and and, of and course, it's and it, ours is a well done drama it's an indie drama and indie dramas are almost impossible to get distributed right because they're not horror they're not schlocky comedy and it's it's a it's a genre that is tough to get out there. So we feel we accomplished the world by getting an indie drama out there on, on Amazon Prime. And it's doing well on Amazon Prime. People are watching it. I mean, we're thrilled. But yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's tough. It's I mean, tough. And that first movie, um, you know, we, we. By the way, that's the street where we live on Amazon Prime. There you, you go. Can, you can check it out. Quick plug. Buy it today. Buy yeah. it today. Available for Prime 
viewing uh, f- for free in October, I believe. That's right. Yeah. But if you buy it before then, you guys get like 12 cents or something out of it? Oh, the distributor has to get paid back first, and then okay. and then we'll start raking in the the, the, the dollars. Cents. The, the the cents. Cents. <laughs> I don't care. I'm just happy that people are watching, right. which is what you had to feel ex- 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 yeah. the same way. Right. The, the that fact, was that was the win. And that's the thing, you know. It's like Troma gives you zero dollars up right. front, and then eventually they alter their accounting. Uh, sheets, so you you know they're never making money, which means you never make money. But we were oh. 21 years old. We just care. made a feature movie out of you know there was a miracle that we pulled it off. You made a feature movie out of a, dead raccoons. Yeah, 22 years old. Yeah, and and the fact that it got anywhere was was a miracle. Um, and then <laughs> yeah, and then I went off to the Bahamas and tried to make a movie there. What was the movie you tried to make in the Bahamas? It was a uh, you know I was really proud of it. It was like a Ten Little Indians uh, parody, uh, Agatha Christie type and of thing. Agatha Christie because you know it, it it's the most remade Hollywood story uh, in history. Right. Um, and it's it's great because you got ten actors, one location. Have you actually read the Agatha Christie? Oh yeah, I, and little... I've seen all the different okay. versions. All the different versions. Like, okay. There's so many different versions. Right. 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 Um, I watched them all, and I was trying to do that in the Bahamas, which was again a little ambitious. Um, but we actually literally almost raised three hundred grand to do it. Um, but there was did a, you need that much? That's what we were asking for because it was in the Bahamas, and you had to pay for people to get there and, and lodging and everything like that. All right, I got you. But you know, it was gonna we were gonna stay at the place I was working at in the Bahamas, which is like it's an educational facility. It's made to house college students. It's made to house uh, you know forty fifty people. So we almost pulled it off. But this financier. Who could have got us the funding? You know, I'm 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he read the script and he was like, "It's not quite there." And I just remember giving up and going back, moving back to Bexley. And then it was like, "I'll run for mayor and make a documentary about that instead." So, but the nice thing is, is that you know, ideas like that now, now post Killer Raccoons two, now I'm starting to think about that Agatha Christie idea. So was again. Killer Raccoon? Do you think Killer Raccoons two is a better movie than Killer Raccoons? Hands down. I, <laughs> I saw the trailer. Yeah, I, saw the, I mean, the, 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 it 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 looks like. I, I don't mean this. I, I mean this in the best way possible. Yeah, it looks like a real movie. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> and that's what everyone says. Like this is a real podcast. I mean, it looks real person. It, it, look, it, it looks it looks legitimately fun yeah. and entertaining. And it well, is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. Send me a fucking. Yeah. Send him. Send him the trailer. We'll cut to the. We'll cut to the trailer on the podcast Perfect. on YouTube right now. Yeah. And the trailer doesn't even have any of the stuff we shot in L.A. with Ron Jeremy and, and Ron Yeah, Lynch you mentioned Ron Jeremy and James who else? Adomian. I mean, just all these great comedians uh, who I know from New York and L.A. Yeah. And we got them to pop in for, for cameos and, and stuff like that. So it's like, I'm very proud of it. What'd you make it for? Um, that one we did uh, the budget right now is fifty. Oh. Now keep in mind we're um, you know we're still dealing with the final deliverables because we're talking to sure. a distributor no, now. Yeah. And those usually we, cost no, trust a me, more. we know. But I'm, I was in, absolutely intent on when we started making this. And I was like, all I want to do is add a zero. You make the first one for five thousand. Make the second one for fifty. There'll be a third one. Trash pandas three moon base on the moon. <laughs> And uh, that'll be a sci-fi. You we'll, should be able to sell it on titles alone. That's what I'm saying. Um, Trash pandas on the moon. Yeah, because uh, here's <laughs> full. Di- wait, yeah. wait a minute. What, why? Why not? What, what happened to the raccoon? Are the raccoons and well, are know, the raccoons and Trash Panda? Yeah, Trash pandas are raccoons. Trash pandas are raccoons. Oh, Trash pandas. Okay, yeah, it's slang. So, okay, okay, okay. For the so raccoon not, not community, pandas. it's yeah. yeah. That would be very expensive to get pandas. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> they don't freeze well. They don't so freeze trash well. Trash pandas, that's yeah. what they call raccoons. Yeah. I apologize. Well, I wasn't I wasn't aware <laughs> you of it. I wasn't you aware of the slang. Jargon. Da, da, da. I'm not yeah. you know, I will take 
I will take not being hip to raccoon jargon to you not be, being Dream able to spell cock. <laughs> yeah, but that is, I mean, well, in full disclosure, this might be my Justin Trudeau moment, oh, but great. the first movie, we were, you know, we went to school in Athens, Ohio. We were in Appalachia. So we called the first movie Coons, Night of the Bandits of the Night. Because we were like, yeah, coons means raccoons. And then uh, as soon as Troma got the movie uh, out there, yeah, it was yeah, all of a sudden like, no, no, no that's not. No. So that's why we changed the title for the second one. So if you want to find the first ones on Amazon, Coons, Night of the Bands of the Night. The second one's Killer Raccoons 2, Dark Christmas in the Dark. The third <laughs> one's going to be Trash Pandas 3, Moon Base on the Moon. So you just change the title every time so you confuse everybody. <laughs> Um, but you know, it was obviously like that was. A but your diehard followers will, will. Yeah. Will. Well, that's the thing is like, Coons One has a following. Like it has that cult trauma following, and you know, I do hope that we live in a world one day where the word Coons only means raccoons, and that's it. Yeah. To me, you that's me all. Both, shit. Brother, you and me both. Um, so <laughs> you had a, you, you screened it in L.A. We screened it in L.A. recently. We screened it in New York, Chicago. Oh, really? Uh, Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati, Columbus, and Athens. And uh, and the L.A. one was the big one because we you know how it is again yeah. indie movies. We've been working the last six months on visual effects because we overloaded visual effects. We had a, a did guy. you direct it as well? I wrote direct and you, had to edit too. And had to edit. Yeah. yeah. Was, you're, you're while jo- I was running for governor of Ohio, you're John Whitney. Yeah. yeah. While I was running for governor of Ohio, I'd have to come back from the Tea Party meeting and jump on the computer oh, at midnight wow. and wow. edit for like two or three hours. I can't possibly win the bid for governor. I'm I'm busy I'm with my raccoon raccoons movie. too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say coons. Yeah, right. I said raccoons. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so that was my life in 2018 was editing Killer Raccoons 2 and uh, and running for governor. But it was, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know how it is too. I mean, like you just said, the fact that people are seeing it, right. the fact that we, when we had the screen in LA, every screening I go in nervous to tell. And I'm just like, sure. man, I hope these jokes hit. And every time we walk out, and everyone, everyone, like you said, is like, it's like a real movie. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and it's like, I don't. And I'm, I, I, yeah, I meant that as a compliment. But that's what all I my mean, friends I mean, in the LA. Trailer, the trailer yeah. was very well put together. We're like, I like, I, I, kind of want to see this, right? <laughs> and that was my my buddies in LA. Like, you know, if they had told me they didn't like it, I wouldn't know what to do because they're comedians right. in, in in the industry, and they all you know they all loved it. And they text me afterward, being like, "It's a real movie. Great job, man. Good, you know." Do you know? Do you know what I mean? When, uh, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I mean. When I'm watching, the you tra- know what you mean. I, when I'm watching the trailer, okay. When I watch the trailer, sometimes you can watch a trailer and uh, it's it's just it's it's bad for the for the only reason is that it's bad, right? But with this trailer, they're on purpose trying to be bad. When you're purposely trying to be Bad. You actually have to act in order to pull that off. Yeah. In a in a in a in a whether you want to call it parody or or, or whatever you want convincing you, way. Convincing yeah, way. Yeah. You actually have to. And so that cut through. Yeah. For me, like, okay, this isn't bad because they suck. This is <laughs> this is bad. This is bad. Enjoyable on purpose. Right. Which is a whole different. A, a whole different level of success. Right. And that's what, you know, I've found that most of the people who walk out, like we had a big gateway screening and we did have people like walk out. And what we found and, you know, we have producers outside asking, well, why did you leave? You know, you, that's what test screenings are for. Um, they usually don't get it. 
they're usually just like it was really bad. It was like, but if you don't get the humor that we know we're bad and we, you know, right, we're, we're capitalizing the, on that. We know we know what we're getting into. This these, is these are dead frozen raccoons in elf costumes being <laughs> bobbled by Ohio University interns. We know it's bad. <laughs> you know, lighten up and enjoy the joke, right? And also go watch Under Siege too, and then and then they'll get it. It'll all make sense. Yeah. All I, I got two words for you: Steven Seagal. Then come watch our movie. Yeah, and then you'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> Steven Seagal. Oh my God! Yeah. All right, as we as we, as we wait, get, wait, what's better, Steven Seagal or raccoons? Oh, raccoons. Okay, all right. Wait a minute. We, Genius yeah. idea. Okay. For uh, trash pandas. Moon based on the moon. Yeah. Sci-fi. Cameo. By Steven Seagal. Come on, yes. Tony Tony. You should be able to get him now. I, he's in Russia. You should be able to There's get a him. Picture of him shaking hands with Putin before the 2016 election. You should election. be able to get Seagal. And you know what? It's and then maybe tough. he'll maybe finance he'll be it. An astronaut by then. Danny Trejo apparently is a guy who will do indie films, yep. and that's so. Yeah, we want to. We want to up the. I'd love to get uh, George Takai. Because um, what the the moon based on the moon is going to be a sci-fi parody, so we're taking on Aliens Three, which was a disaster. George Takai's doing very well with the terror right now on AMC. Yeah, he, that's he, what I'm saying. He's he's back. He's back in he's the back to what he knows. Um, yeah. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. I just watched that last week. Woof, that's a doozy. Um, and then, well, and then Return of the Jedi is good. So we'll, I want to take these good. sci-fi elements because the first movie is a, a horror comedy, making fun it's of. You didn't like Search for Spock. I didn't like it, man. Um, I, you know, the 80s, <laughs> no, I was made in the 80s, and I think I'm better than a lot of movies. Yeah, <laughs> you think right. you're better 80s than the 80s? I, no, you I think, think I'm you're better, better than, than the movies 80s. made in the 80s. <laughs> I'm just you saying, as, watch them, as you're someone like, who was uh. born the year Search for Spock came out, I was just like, well, I also popped out, and I think I, think I hold up better. I, I saw yeah, Little Monsters is on Amazon. Is it? Yeah, or uh, Netflix, one of the two, yeah. I'm well, going to watch that right, with the kids. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was just so going to say, no, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. the first movie is a horror start. comedy, we, we making get... fun of Jaws and Grizzly. Right, and right, right, right. Second movie is action, making fun of action sequels, Under Siege 2. Die Hard 2 is actually another big uh, element. That's what made our movie a Christmas movie. When, I, once oh, I, I, hate that. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. Die yeah. Hard is not a Christmas movie. No, oh, it is. Die Hard 2 <laughs> is certainly a Christmas movie. That's great. Come on, brother. It's Christmas. Has the same shit, having the same guy twice. <laughs> I just, I was just watching. I was just like, uh huh. Give me more, Bruce. <laughs> I'm just like, he was He's great. He's writing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is just the beginning. <laughs> All right, so like, then the sci-fi parody. And then, uh, yeah, and then sci-fi right. trilogy. Too so, funny. Um, yeah, that's the rationale. As we uh, get close to wrapping up here, uh, is there anything else you want to tell me that I don't know that, I, that we haven't covered yet that I we should We covered know all the controversial yeah, stuff. This is what I wanted with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I wanted with you. Yeah. I mean, this has been great. But uh, my last question to you moving moving forward is, what are you going to do moving forward? What's 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 next for Travis Irvine moving forward? Be it movies, politics, life in general, wh- where are you going, dude? Because you're in a, you, no seriously, you're yeah. at a, you're at an interesting point in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember being in my in my thirties, and and that was kind of a pivotal point. Like, okay. Uh, if everything goes really, really well, <laughs> eh, I pretty much lived half my life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, estimating that if I make it to 70, when I was in my thir- when I was in my 30s, I thought if I make it to 70, oh, man, you know, somebody's smiling down on me. Right. Because, you know, now at 60, I'm hoping to make it to you know, right. 90. Yeah. You know, 
And <laughs> all right, eighty. <laughs> Come on, let's be yeah. reasonable. Yeah, eighty two is good. Eighty two is a good one. Yeah. So my father died. He was eighty two when he died. I, honestly, eighty two is my my goal age. Eighty two. So I go 30, out at eighty three six, right? Yeah, thirty six. So, so where? So what do you what are you thinking? Where Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you hope to accomplish mm-hmm. uh, in the next few years? Where do you Where do you see yourself in in the next? I'll go short. Next five five years. Five-year plan. Five-year plan. Like Joseph Stalin. I got a good five-year plan. <laughs> maybe not the... Okay, maybe not him. Maybe not the, the best comparison, right. but all right. Yeah. Um, no, I. Uh, it, it is... You know. Yeah, that's not lost on me, especially when you turn 36 again. Like I was so pumped to be in that 18 to 35 demographic. Right. It was like, I'm still lumped in with the kids. You shift. And now it's I'm 36 to 50. But be, be perfectly honest with yourself. When you were in your... When you were 32, you didn't figure with the kids anymore. Mm-hmm. No, because I was, I was. No, you I, didn't. No, but I was working, you know, for Vice and and, uh, and especially in comedy, you're, you're right. The nice thing about comedy is, right, we got forty year olds, we got twenty year olds, we got thirty year. I mean, we're all kind of just buddies, you know. We all get along. So, the age stuff has never impacted me as much. But turning thirty six, obviously, one of the things that changes is, well, can't drink whiskey like I used to, right? It's like the body, my. All my comedy buddies were like, "Oof, thirty six is when it all changes." And uh, I tend I, to disagree. I'm, well, you're yeah, you are like you're a, a special rare breed. I'm with you, Travis. Like you go up the stairs, and you're like, "Shit, how yeah, many stairs like, did I just go up?" I still no, try. Well, to, like, I, I don't know what you boys speak of. <laughs> I like biking. I like working out, but like things aren't working. As you know, I'm just really? realizing the decline. Yeah, thirty six. I mean, you know, it's it's four years till forty now. So it's like. So, but career-wise, I don't. No, all right, I I don't understand. You throw me rare breed. Yeah, you throw me for the physical part of it because I mean I'm not going to stop drinking whiskey. I still love it. Um, You know, and it just takes you seven days to recover. Exactly. I got to go a little seriously. Yeah, I got to drink more water. You know. Yeah. So water's and living in L.A. now, you know, water's hard to come by. Um, So, (laughs) but I think you can still drink it whenever you want. Yeah. So. But I want the LA transition to stick. I really do because um, I would like to to start doing comedy and movies full time. Um, you know, as we potentially enter a distribution deal for Killer Raccoons sure. too, and make that pay off. Um, the documentary "Hail Yourself America." Uh, you know, Ben. Coming up. Yeah, Ben and I are going to be rolling that out throughout 2020. Um, and we want to inspire more young people to run for office. Documentaries are kind of hip now. They're real hip. And, and then the next project I'm working on, Jeff Ross is actually in it. It's a, a documentary about uh, my buddy Ed's mother um, who passed away from diabetes and was a, uh, a gambling addict. And, and it's just about the socioeconomic uh, position of poor mothers in, in uh, America. So you connect gambling and diabetes somehow? That's how, well, that's what she had. She would gamble away her insulin money. Oh, and then Jesus. she couldn't afford insulin and she died. And it's one of those, and it's not a unique story here in America. So that's the next project. The pro, the hard part will be making it funny, but that's where Jeff Ross well, comes it, in. Well, and that was going to be my next comment. Some of these documentaries, yeah. I mean, obviously you are a humorist, I mean, but they're not raccoons. Right. So, not I mean, what, level. yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's a humor yeah, injected in them. If you watch American Mayor on Amazon, or if you get to see Hail Yourself America coming soon, you'll see that even with the political campaign, you know, they're both campaign documentaries, but... They are fun in nature. And that's right. why I like a good documentary. It's like we screened uh, Hail Yourself America in Milwaukee back in August. Uh, 170 people showed up because Ben, you know, has all these listeners. Sure. 
And uh, the, the response was great. And again, going back to what you said about you just having people see it, it's like, I'm just happy all the jokes right. are hitting. Right, right, right. Know. Yeah, comedy's hard, yeah. man. And yeah. we, we, we talk about doing a comedy, and if you... If you if you, you miss the mark. If you miss the beats you miss the mark you you got a shitty comedy yeah and I will say that's why I like editing because comedy uh, especially community you have the timing so hey. you know I have killer raccoons too I'm the editor I'm going through I'm moving things two frames this way I'm like I need a better beat here you and need, it's, like, it's all about the beats yeah so um, you know if nothing else I'm proud to be you know a, the director editor brand you know there's different kind of directors where they produce or they act or and it's like, I, I like I, being a director editor it's pretty fun. I, i've told him bef- as well you know when i when i think about you know we talk about doing a comedy and like you know if we're gonna do a comedy and go back and look at the screwball comedies of the, mm-hmm. of, of the airplane first, airplane two the, what a great se- the what, sequel well, well yeah. the, the, but the, the the actual screwball comedies of the 40s oh okay With, even uh, further back yeah yeah i'm talking about as far as the the timing and the beats, yeah. rapid fire dialogue that yeah. doesn't miss. You know, they, they it's it's all timing and beats and so forth. Yeah. There's the lesson to be learned. I would suggest to anybody who's trying to write a, a real dialogue driven comedy yeah. to go back to those screwball comedies of the 30s and 40s because they were impeccable. Yeah, and that's a good because you you want to talk about you know how you got your comedy roots and and things like that. When I was 10 years old, my dad was bringing home Three Stooges, mm-hmm. uh, Abbott and Costello. Uh, I love Lucy, Jack Benny. I was watching all these as a kid and memorizing who's on first and things like that. And not um, a bad thing. And Duck Soup is probably one of the funniest anti-war comedies oh, out there. The Marx Brothers. Yeah. yeah. And it was talk all about the, timing. Yeah, it was all in the editing because the guy who directed it, this guy Leo McCrary, was like, "I'm cutting your love story." Who also did? Who also did a lot of Three Stooges <laughs> yeah. stuff? Yeah, he did. And he was like, "I'm cutting your love story. I'm cutting that musical number." And even the the uh, Marx Brothers were like giving him shit, but later in life, Groucho even said Duck Soup was the best movie we did because Leo McCrary directed it, yeah, and, and we didn't, he did. So, well, man, I, I'm glad that life brought you back to Columbus, Ohio, so you could be with us on this uh, edition of Whiskey. We booked this. We booked this yeah. like Happy Birthday, Mom. Yeah. But yeah, we booked this like uh, uh, the last the premise. premise. So this After is like the last three premise. months ago. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this yeah. has been this has been uh, something we've been looking forward to. And uh, make sure you send all those links to both him and, and us. Uh, we, we'll, we'll get the trailer for Killer Raccoons 2 into the YouTube version. Johnny will do that seamlessly. Cut it right in. He'll brother. cut it right in because that's what he does. Yeah. And uh, uh, our guest bottle tonight has been, I, I think Frank would be proud of tonight. You know, it's interesting. You know, while you were talking about, you know, Democrats and Republicans, you know, Frank, over the course of his career, was, was very political. Oh, really? You know, yeah, he was all about JFK. Oh, that's right, yeah. And then he was all about, you know, later in life, he he moved to he moved to the Republicans. He right. was all about Ronald Reagan. Yeah, well, that's what that's the the Churchill quote. If you're not uh, a liberal by the time you're 21, you don't have a heart. If you're not a conservative by 28, you don't have a brain. And that's what libertarians were like. Well, at least we have both hearts and brains. <laughs> but the Sinatra Select has been great. Tonight, you guys like this? It was so smooth. It was really smooth. It, but it still had the good Jack flavor, you know? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, you're not going to... The, not the gonna... first sip, I was like, am I at no. a bar? No. No, one no, the, no, one no. One of the no. videos I shot when I was in Lynchburg was the was them making the charcoal. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The see big, that one? Uh, the, big, big the big pit? Flame, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Make, oh, by all means, Travis, pour, because you're not leaving after we're done with the podcast. But we are <laughs> done with the podcast. I went over the hour, Hansberg. Well, I'm sorry. We, we we're, had a we're lot. wrap it up at 115. You can still make we, this work. You had a politician and a comedian in one. Yeah, so, two uh, interviews. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. 
Uh, well, we have actually a lot to kind of cover during the course of this episode. So I actually created a poll on Facebook. It is it just straightforward. Should Dino run for office? Uh, of course. So these are your two options. Are of you course, or uh, stick to the stand-up. <laughs> and we've we've got four votes, and they're all uh, uh, for of course. So go. of the four people who have already voted in the past twenty-seven minutes, they we all think you should uh, run, run for, for office. office. I didn't say. Not everyone should have a podcast. <laughs> no. We, we, no. Uh, so, so, so uh, check, check out our Whiskey Business Facebook uh, poll, and you can vote. Should Dino run for... You know, maybe if we get a good contingency I mean, there, you then, re- you know. You have to respect the democratic process. If yes, your you fans do. want you to run, you got to run. That's four people. Four people that voted that's on that. That's more votes than I got. But it's 100% of the vote. <laughs> right, yeah, it's 100%. You're batting 100%, Dino. <laughs> These numbers are good. Oh, the, those are that's called a spin, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, also, so we've been talking about a links, uh, a, a lot of links. Uh, Travis, you have a lot of fun videos and links yeah. and and different things. So we don't talk a lot about the uh, whiskey business. Uh, show.com we have i mean that's where our website is that house a lot of all of our things and that's actually probably going to be the best place where we could host all of these links so it's just a blog post with our podcast whiskeybusinessshow.com yeah yeah um and that's probably the easiest way just to have all we could just put all million links that you send us so yeah. that'll probably be the Don't best place me which ones to send uh, well i'll yeah, just yeah. send them all and we'll get yeah, we'll but, but also instagram uh facebook uh youtube right, uh, whiskey right, right, business right, right. with dino tripotis yeah. and rate and review uh on we apologize too we had a little soundcloud issue last week uh, that wasn't us it was soundcloud uh, uh that's all right take care of them. right done fixed sure. Man, thank you. Thank you, Dino. You're gonna hang out for a little bit afterwards. I'd love to hang you out. Know, and then we got more whiskey to drink. And, Absolutely. And we can I'll hang. my parents come pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, mom. <laughs> and I get to meet Sandy. Will Sandy come? Yeah. Well, Would you met you? her at the the. Premise. I did. I didn't yeah, meet her, but yeah, would yeah, she yeah. come to pick you up? She will totally pick. She's such a sweetheart. We talk calligraphy. We yeah. talk calligraphy. Finally, she can teach you how to spell cock. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, mom, real quick. Oh my God. Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production produced on the audio side by the boy who can't spell Spell cock, cock, (laughs) Greg Hansberry. Thank you. And on the video side, so wonderfully, expertly, he does such a great job on the YouTube videos. John Whitney on the YouTube videos. And our guest has been Travis Irvine who has uh, unsuccessfully run for mayor, Congress, and governor. <laughs> but you know what? I think the boy still got something in him. I and he's really, he's really won really our do. hearts. I really yeah, do. I go. really do. And if I do ever decide to run for office, you're getting a call, brother. I swore on that lighter. <laughs> you swore on that lighter. That I stole from Jeff Ross's house. <laughs> so already we have scandal. You yeah. S- <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> we stole something. All right. So until the next bottle, see ya. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.